are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I'm sure you're wondering why I have a mask on, but it is to protect a very special guest. We are very honored and excited to have Sister Bertha Phoebus with us tonight for this installment of Growth University, this Getting to Know You series. Sister Phoebus has been something that uh, has blessed people in our church so far, and you are 98 years young, and you have been living for the Lord for a long time. You are such an encouragement to Tom and I. You take wonderful care of our family through giving us chocolate chip cookies. She's so good at making these cookies. They're a blessing to everyone who eats them. Um, She is a poet. She is a soldier of Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful that she is willing to spend some time with us tonight for Growth University. She asked me today if I knew what I was doing by turning her loose tonight. But I have total faith in her that she will be a blessing to all of you watching as she is to me every time I get to have a conversation. And so we will do our best to cover your amazing life as best we can um, in this forum. But thank you, my dear Sister Phoebus. I am so excited about this. I want to begin by having you tell everyone your full name, where you were born, and when you were born. Okay? Bertha Phoebus. Okay. H-E-B-U-S. Mm-hmm. And I'm 98 years old. My birthday, September the 8th, 1922. Okay. And where were you born? I was born in a very small village in Illinois, St. Anne, Illinois. What area of Illinois is that? I'm not familiar. Well, to tell you the truth, I never was there. Okay. But it's not a long distance from Chicago. Okay. South of Chicago. Okay. Okay. Next question, Sister Phoebus, is what is your earliest memory? You have a pretty amazing memory. Probably... Oh, boy, she's laughing already. I was already. the eldest of eight children. Eight children. Yes. Okay. And my mother had them rather close together, which meant the oldest child mm-hmm. was a built-in babysitter. What number were you? in? The... I was first. You were the first? I was the first. I did not know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because of that, and my mother had one child very close to the next one. Yes. So I was a built-in babysitter from the time I could remember. That was my earliest memory. Mm. And having a brother next to me. Oh, boy. A brother who ran all over, which caused me, not much older than he was, to have to run after him. Wow. Wow, I bet you slept well at night. I never even thought about it. You never thought about it. 
Well, all right. So, so your earliest memory is of taking care of your brother? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, that's remarkable. Tell us about your childhood. What was it like? When you're talking about childhood that long ago. Yes. Uh, the differences in today cannot be man even managed to mm. even mention mm. because you didn't have toys. If Unless you had money where you would buy your children toys, mm. your children did not have toys. Mm. So the only thing we ever had was to run around, maybe try to climb a tree, just very, very few things. Okay. Now, I'm talking about very early childhood. Okay. Okay. What about the house you grew up in? What was that like? Well, my father, we lived in a basement. My father was a carpenter, and he began to build a house. Okay. for us to live in. Okay. So those memories really didn't stay with me very okay. long. Uh, it was so much the same that there was nothing to make it distinguished from anything else. Okay. My love from the time I remember was imagination hmm. in writing about things I knew nothing about. Really? So even when you were a child? When I was a child, the little time I had, uh, which wasn't much, because I kept having new brothers and sisters. <laughs> yes. Um, if I had just a short time, I would go in the field next door, lie down, look at the sky, and I had an imagination living a completely different life. Wow. I didn't know anything. Of, I don't even know why I even considered mm -hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So did your dad finish that house? Did you live in the yes. house that he built? Yes, we did. Okay. However, we ended up with eight children. And years ago, people always had a guest room. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter where you lived. Mm -hmm. And my mother, years later, laughed about it because she said, wasn't that the silliest thing? With all these kids... I kept one bedroom in a three-bedroom house as a guest room with something on the bed so that looked nice. And we ended up with seven kids in one bed. In one three, bed? Three at the head of the bed. Oh. And another four at the bottom of oh the bed. My. So just to be defensive with that many feet was not easy. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. You needed like a, a catcher's mask when you went to bed to protect yourself from your siblings. No, you were tired enough at night. You went to sleep. Oh, and, okay. You know. Is that, so did, did all of your siblings contribute in the way that you did? 
Did everybody have a job? Oh, no. Well, they were, you know, I think that as time went on, Mm -hmm. uh, a mother would have a little more for them to do. Okay. But uh, when you're the eldest child, Mm -hmm. you know, and my brother hated it that I was older than he. I bet. He resented my saying when mother said, now you see that they do thus and so. Oh. Yeah, you were another mom, basically. I was another mother to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Who is the person who has influenced your life the most? My mom. Your mom. She was such a patient soul. Mm-hmm. And the thing she did set such a wonderful example because what I'm telling you, there's no one in my family living, so no one will hear this. Okay. Uh, so I'm not embarrassing anyone. Sure. But my mother was pregnant with me mm-hmm. when they married, and he did not want to marry her, but he did. And he resented that all his life, which made a very unpleasant life for us. For all of you, all of yes. your children? Yes, okay. but the blessing was that he worked away from home. Okay. So until he came home, we were free. I see. When he came home, everything just... Okay. Hmm. All right. Tell us about your schooling, where you went to school and what your education was like growing up. Well... I, I, some things you cannot possibly explain. Okay. You can't. I did not have anyone to read to me. My mother was too busy. Um, I did not have extra, I didn't have books until I went to school. Uh, we didn't have gifts. Mm. Uh, so it's not really fair for me to make judgments about some things because I have no comparisons whatsoever, none. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I went to school, I found where I belonged. Wow. And I was an all-A student. Of course you were. uh, From the time I began school, and then I could not continue beyond the ninth grade because I had no clothes, I, ha- I didn't have the bare necessities of life, and I knew I had to go to work. So I went to work in people's homes when I was 15. But the thing that, and I, I've thought about this so many times, how God watches over us in the most miraculous ways. I believe that. Uh, when we don't know a thing about him and no one talks to us about him, Mm -hmm. because when I was 15, my father decided, since he worked also in the state of Michigan, that we would move to Michigan. I had never been able to go to Sunday school. Mm. Um, And when we moved from Indiana, that little town in Indiana, to Michigan, Mm -hmm. in his goodness and mercy, 
in a city moving to 30,000 people in that city, mm -hmm. God had the wisdom mm -hmm. to have my father buy a house across the street from Pentecost. Wow. They wow. invited me to church, and that's why I received the Holy Ghost when I was 15. You were 15 years old. Now, were, did your family go to church with you? No. No, no one did. Not, no one, not even your mother? No. Oh, my oh. mother okay. was not well. Okay. And then with all these children, she was just barely able just to keep things going. Sure. And so you, are you saying that a friend invited you to that church? Well, or? it was someone I got acquainted with across the street. Okay. What did you think the first time you went to that church? Had you been to a church before? I had not before? been to any kind of church. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say I hadn't been to any kind because at one period of time, my dad moved us into the country during the Depression. Okay. And someone invited me to a little country church. Okay. But I did not go a great deal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anything in uh, time to make comparisons. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had nothing to compare mm -hmm. a Pentecostal church to whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But on, on Easter Sunday in 1938, I made that decision that I was going to the altar. And the Lord, I got baptized in Jesus' name on Easter Sunday morning, uh, went home for dinner because I had come with someone else. When the two older ladies in the church said, come back in the afternoon and we'll pray for the Holy Ghost. And I received the Holy Ghost on an Easter Sunday, wow. 1938. That's an amazing story. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, going back to your growing up years, um, were you good at any sports? I know you were busy, well, but... Well, it was a desperate thing because okay. the boys didn't have anybody else to play ball with. Okay. My brothers. So what did you... Did you so I hit the ball and run like crazy. <laughs> did you enjoy that? Or was it just babysitting? I didn't have anything to compare it with. Yeah, okay. Were, you, were a, you especially good at one? I wouldn't say that. I was a reader. You were a reader, okay. Uh, yes, I would go to the school library. Okay. And get books. And I uh, would, at night, uh, we slept with a, a, there were a lot of always wherever we lived. We, do, we just didn't have much room. So there were always um, other kids around. Okay. And you couldn't keep, and my father didn't want us to burn a light bulb. Oh. So I would take the, the comforter mm -hmm. and put it up as far as I could, turn the light on, and there was my library book just like this. What kind? And, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I Fairy tales. Fairy. I was going to ask you what kind of books. Okay. Well, yeah, because that took me out of the world I was in hmm? and sure. put me in a completely another world. 
Sure. And I'm sure that probably fed your imagination, right? Well, I always had. I don't know where that imagination came from. Hmm. And it's a, it's a strange thing when you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you yourself don't know. Mm-hmm. At least maybe other writers aren't that way. Mm-hmm. Right. But everything that I have written, mm-hmm. and I have someone now who is interested in what I've written, I don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had such unpleasant experiences with uh, publishers. That, that's uh, so frustrating. Mm. Now, did you bring a poem to read? No, you I didn't. didn't. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe someday we can have you read a poem. I was hoping you might, but... I don't know that everybody at Calvary knows what a wonderful writer you are. Well, writing is a strange thing. It really is. Unless you do it, it's difficult to even explain sometimes. And the people who have been reading my poetry lately... Uh, I are so complimentary, but I say to them, uh, in reality, on many of these things, I don't know where the basis of it came from. Hmm. It, it It's difficult to explain that to anyone. Okay. When did you start writing poetry, specifically? Well... When I was quite young, but not very much. But what happened was that um, I was in Tampa, Florida, and I got involved with feeding street people from our church. The pastor wanted to feed street people, and I guess I was probably the only one that he figured would be doing this. Willing to do so, and I had a lovely house down there and a wonderful kitchen. I had everything, Hmm. and so I, I started with just when he talked to me. Mm -hmm. I said to him, "But how many?" And we had an old bus at the church, and he said, "Well, just a few." And there was a man who came from Texas, and he he didn't have a home. And I didn't even know he was living in a tent in the woods. I didn't even know that until he came up to help me. I would be at the church at night in the kitchen, like on Saturday night. We fed on Sunday. We had service on Sunday for the street people. We started with 14, and the most I had on a Sunday after four years was 100 people for dinner on Sunday. And you did that every Sunday? I did that every Sunday. Wow. But it, I, I knew it was what God wanted me to do. Absolutely. And I loved them. You know, the dirt and, and, and so on didn't trouble me. Mm-hmm. Didn't trouble me. And after I finished, uh, I had a couple ladies that did my dishes, of course. I didn't cl- do the cleanup at all. That's fair. After I did that much cooking... Forget it. Sure, sure. And so 
And then this, this older man who lived in the woods, would, if he would see the church lights on it Saturday night, he'd know that I would be up in the kitchen okay. trying to get some things ready ahead of time because I would not miss church service. I would be there for Sunday school, then I'd go right up and immediately, and we served at 4 o'clock, we served the dinner. Wow. And um, I had an extremely busy time, as you might imagine. But I loved it. And after I finished the cooking, I had women who put the food on the table and, and, uh, you know, did things to clean up and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. And I loved going out and walking among those street people and talking to them. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know that they were not abhorrent Mm -hmm. to me. They were just as important as anyone sitting in a church pew. Mm -hmm. And the thing that thrilled me so much was that uh, on Sunday night, Sometimes after these people were taken back to the street, Mm -hmm. there are some of them that wanted to come to Sunday night church. Mm -hmm. And the thing that thrilled me, Mm -hmm. our our baptismal was up above, in front, way up high. This was a large church building. Okay. And what a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. when I was able to see a street person go to the altar, and when they receive the Holy Ghost coming out of the water, Mm. there is no feeling like that. Amen. And I did that for about four years, and I loved it. That's remarkable. And then we moved to the other coast. Okay, okay. So, and I, I... It's it's amazing the people that are on the street that no one knows about. Mm. This one man had modeled... Clothes, professionally. Wow. Uh, wow. A black man, a very handsome black man. Mm-hmm. And when I walked out among the people uh, just to talk to them, mm-hmm. and he looked at me and said, Mama, they all call me Mama. Mama, I taste love in the food, he said wow. to me. Wow. I'm sure that he did. A payment like that yes, ma'am. is beyond... Uh, what you can describe. Wow. What a wonderful ministry you had. Oh, I loved that. it. I know you're a hard worker. What are some not of the... Not anymore, honey. I'm a... But, well, you're not supposed to be anymore, but I wondered if you could tell us a few of the jobs that you've had because you've, you've had some interesting oh, yes. jobs. People don't know. Well... Uh, not being educated, having to quit school in mm-hmm. ninth grade. And I was, I said, I was an all-A student. Mm-hmm. And the teachers did not know why I didn't continue. Uh, how could you tell people that your father wouldn't buy clothes for you or buy things that you absolutely have to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't talk about it. And so I did housework in people's homes, I I did whatever to make a little money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's strange, the move of God. Uh, As as I look back, I I see he definitely 
what happened, that I could get a position like I had. What position? What, I know what you're talking about, but what, what was the job that you loved so much and you, you didn't feel like you were qualified for, but the Lord put you? What was oh. it? Oh, well, I represented a Fortune 500 company. Uh, and that was, a, that was completely strange <laughs> because they had access to all these college women who wanted to do this. Uh, that company was in pharmaceuticals. It's now owned by Pfizer. Okay. After the older people passed away, Pfizer now has it. Okay. And um, I had worked at, at a packaging job during the war for only a very short time just to make a little money. Okay. And after my husband came out of the service, then I quit working. We were going to move to the state of Washington where we had gone to church uh, during the war years. And that didn't work. Okay. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was utterly amazing because to make money after that, I even co uh, cleaned hotel rooms. Not many, but some, uh, just to make some money. Then I was invited by a woman who worked for very wealthy people, and she needed help for a holiday, and she said, come help me. Mm -hmm. And I did, and that woman, that wealthy woman, talked to me immediately after that day and said, uh, we would love to have you come and work for us in our home. And I did that for a period of time. Then, then I thought, this is not too smart. Uh, I wonder why I don't try again to get into this pharmaceutical. Okay. So I went there and applied. And they hired me to work on a packaging line. And that's what I did. But only a very short time because they didn't have enough work there. And they sent me to another department. And the man who headed the department was an older man, and he was a very quiet hmm. man. Some of us were sent there to work temporarily, working on antibiotics and so on. And I was sitting doing an inspection job, and I saw this man who had charged that department, this soldier man, he, if the women talked too much, he would just walk out there. That's enough to quiet everybody down. And I saw him walking out there, and I thought, uh, you know, I wasn't talking. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Okay. And this one particular day, he said, come into my office, please. And I thought, oh, what have I done? Oh, because I wasn't conscious of anything. He said, how would you like to work for me? I went from the lowest paying packaging job to the highest paying job. Wow. Within a period of three months. My goodness. The blessing of God was on my life. Absolutely. Then the company said, you know, uh, uh, we, we must... Uh, the men in offices in higher positions, when they had visitors and professional people, they had to take those people out there 
in this humongous building. It was 33 acres of floor space. My goodness. 33 acres in one building. Wow. And uh, when that happened, uh, these men didn't like to stop and have to do this. So they made a decision that they would have uh, trained women to go out and take these people. Mm. And that's what I, they hired me to do. Okay. I went from lowest to highest. Tell them quickly for me who you met when you had that job. What famous individual that we all know and appreciate. The man who um, was the top echelon of the company Mm -hmm. was a personal friend of Walt Disney. Think of it. Our own sister Phoebus, yes, and? And they, um, amazingly enough, I couldn't believe it. They said, Walt Disney is coming in. They did this privately so it wouldn't stir up so much attention. Oh, sure. In this celebrity, for big sure. building of yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And I was chosen to be with those people. And at the end of it, Walt Disney must have been an especially thoughtful man. Okay. Because I wouldn't dare to ask him for an autograph. Can you imagine? And of course I didn't. And what did he do? He wrote his name on a piece of paper and gave it to me. Incredible. Incredible. Do you still have that autograph? No, I donated that for church. I knew you had. I just wanted you to say it. Yeah, well. <laughs> you did. You sold it, didn't you? He sold it. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, and you gave the proceeds as an offering. Oh, yeah. You're an amazing yeah, Well, I said whatever he gets. I, I wouldn't yes. tell people. I know. I know. I, that's why I asked you, because I knew that. No, That's I, a remarkable part of your life. And I agree with you that the hand of the Lord was on you, even when you weren't aware of it. It's just amazing. Well, I cannot take credit for this. Because if you look at an uneducated woman, a child, who had a father who did not love her, and a mother who was not well, and yet God transcended everything. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean the early years were easy. I had, if people could see how I lived mm-hmm. when I was 20 years old, I lived in a two-room shack with cardboard on the walls. The people who had previously lived there fought like dogs and cats, and they had the old 78 records, and they threw them and they went into the cardboard walls. I pumped water in a field and didn't even own a well. Had to use a neighbor's well to pump water and wash on the washboard. Mm. I had a two-burner little kerosene stove to cook on. But the amazing thing was what God did. Because um, we were living on almost nothing. And the, the most amazing thing that one day, this dumpy little two-room shack 
somebody knocked on my back door, and uh, it, I certainly wasn't expecting anyone. It was sort of semi-country. And there was a man at the door, an older man, and he said, do you want to sell this place? And I thought, he's got to be crazy. <laughs> I mean, who would buy a shack? I was wondering myself. With no water <laughs> and so on. And come to find out, he had never married. He had lived with a, an older woman. Uh, she took in boarders. Okay. And the other people that stayed there died. He was the only one left. Mm. And he built a new house and moved this old lady into the new house. And she had this old house mm. that was probably 80 years old, but it had been taken care of. Mm. Big house, four bedrooms, a bathroom. Wow. I ended That's up moving up in the world, a right? A bathroom. My goodness. Yeah. And wow. amazingly enough, he allowed for a, we paid, I think it was $75 for that shack. And we had to pay $5 a month on the lot. Can you believe that we ended up finally with selling that house? Mm. And it, I mean, it. there is no way you can explain some things without saying God. Absolutely. I remember one time I took you to lunch and you made a statement to me that I have never forgotten. You said, you said something to the effect of, honey, in trouble, you don't have to look far to see the hand of God. Can you? I don't remember saying it. You don't remember saying it? Well, I do. I put it in my phone because it had such an impact on me and hearing your life. I see where you have that kind of perspective about difficult times and God being present. And so my next question for you is, Sister Phoebus, you've obviously lived through a lot of major turning points in American history. You've seen a lot of things oh, yes. Yes. come and go um, from trends to politicians, oh, yes. world wars. You've seen a lot of things. What would you say to your Calvary family who is going through such a challenging season in, in world history, really? What, what would you say to some of us to encourage us because of all that you've seen and, and lived to tell about? I would say this because this is, this is my greatest hope, and encouragement. I have heard about the coming of the Lord for so many years, more years than most of these people are old. I have always believed that, and over the years, ministers have preached about the soon coming of the Lord. But at what point have you ever seen some of the things that are going on now? Now, I'm interested in politics. I, I don't watch trash on television, as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. um, 
as I listen to these politicians and the accusations that they make toward each other as not being truthful, mm-hmm. there are our people who will say anything to get what they want. And I am well aware of that. It's not only politicians, but sure. other people do too. Human nature, sure. Then why would I be so disturbed when I see this happening? I don't like to see it happen. I don't want to see people suffer. But what it's saying to me is I am that much closer. And at my age, can you imagine? I am more likely just to lie down and go to sleep. Mm. until I stand before the Lord. Mm. And I'm very realistic about that. But I also know that the Bible Mm -hmm. in this much space Mm -hmm. is not going to go into detail on every tiny thing. And what we are seeing today very well could be a warning. Furthermore, not many people are talking about the coming of the Lord. You're right. Sister Phoebus, what is your favorite verse, your favorite scripture? I, 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 I couldn't even name a favorite, really. Okay. I think if I talk to people who are not ready to meet God. Mm-hmm. There is so much talk of religion and te- religion on television and so on. But if I could recommend something, if they would read the beginning of Matthew. Okay. So Jesus' birth. The whole, two, say, two chapters of Matthew. Okay. This would give them such an insight of how the Lord started this whole thing for us. That's beautiful. You're right. You know, you don't, people don't have to study the entire Bible to know truth. Amen. That's a very good reminder. You're right. You're and right. Matthew is read quite a good deal, probably more so than other books. It's true. I don't know that. Mm. I'm just surmising that. Sure. But I'm contemplating that because I'm right at the present time trying to find out more about somebody right at the present time. Okay. But see, not going anywhere and so on. But when they come to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I know you have a tremendous witness. The Lord has used you to reach people that have come to Calvary and, and sat with you. And, and you are such an example to everyone at the Calvary Church of what a believer should be and should be striving for. And I wondered what you would say to someone who is maybe new in their uh, faith 
maybe new to church, or someone who is very discouraged in their walk with God, either one that you would want to talk to, what, what would you tell them based on your life experience, your testimony? What can they learn from you? The reason it's difficult for me to answer that is because depending upon the person sure. that I am talking to and the direction I feel they are going and also what their interest is. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. I know you're, you are an evangelist. You're a soul winner and you are very, well, I, I know the not. Lord talks to you. But in this moment then, Sister Phoebus, what do you, what do you feel to say to your church family. Old church family. Yeah, let's, let's make that specific. Just to your church family. That is very difficult to answer because I view every person pretty much individually because... Um, Many times they give you a clue as to how they're feeling or what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with someone right now. Mm. I don't know the true reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am frankly amazed, and I know God sent this person person to me very definitely oh I believe it too they're at my house at least once a week and spend like two hours or more with me wow Um, and you don't really know what people are like in a few minutes because most times they hide what they really are Everyone does not let you know mm. how they're really feeling mm. unless it, something happens to bring it on sure. to the memory. Otherwise, sure. they are a polite, nice person, and you don't know what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, what's happening right now, I don't know. I have no way of knowing the end result. But I am astounded at what has happened about the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter because God has charge. Amen. And whatever God wants will happen, whether exactly. people want it to or not. And that's exactly right. I'm so glad you said that. We need reminded of that, you know. We do. God's will does not reveal itself in 10 minutes. And we have become more and more people of 10 minutes. How right Or you am are. I being too philosophical? No, I think you're being truthful in a way we need you to be truthful. You're right. You're right. right. God doesn't explain everything. Nor should he have to. Amen. What about the, the 
in the Old Testament, the man who was running and running and running and was exhausted and got under the tree was going to die. Mm. God sends the birds with food for him. Mm. No doubt he thought he was going to die. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then God speaks to the birds mm. and says, go take him something to eat. Mm. a powerful portion of scripture to be reminded of right now. The Lord's going to take care of us. How do we know? Mm -hmm. And yet some of God's people that he loved so much died under not the best circumstances. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. So? Mm -hmm. Well, I would like for you to pray for us in conclusion tonight, if you would, that, that be okay? Okay. Indeed. All right. This is to the entire church because yes, we're Lord. all one. Amen. We are. Amen. I believe that. Dear Jesus, as we sit here, Lord, you see us. You see every need in this place. You're aware of every person that walks through the door. You know about their problems. You know how much they love you and how determined they are to serve you. Renew something in all of us that we have never had. We have never known, Lord, Renew it unto us. Give strength to those who are going through difficult days. Remember those who have the responsibility of seeing your word preached, Lord. Reveal yourself, Lord, under any circumstances, whatever they are. Help us, Lord, to look ahead to what we're looking forward to. Yes, And not where we are this moment, Lord. Bless every person, God, no matter who they are, that walks through the door. Let them feel your presence as they come in the door, dear Lord. And when the preaching is done, Lord, let their hearts be turned to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Well, I thank you for being willing to share some of your life and testimony with us. There are no words, Sister Phoebus, to express what you mean to Tom and I and to this great church. You are a pillar of the faith, and we love you and thank God for the day that he brought you to Cincinnati and made you a part of the Calvary Church. Well, my dear, I, I, the only thing I regret is my age because I can't physically do what I did. And a great part of my life was spent with things like, you know... Service. Where, yes. I, where I could view and feel that special something. Mm -hmm. And it's 
now where I can't drive myself anymore and someone brings me. And, but I am so blessed that I'm not sitting somewhere by myself. You think of all the old, old people who are sitting without anyone, mm-hmm. without the truth. Mm-hmm. So how could I not be thankful? And I appreciate the kindness to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you and your husband have so much on your shoulders, but God would not have given it to you had he not wanted you to have it. No, that you're right. He doesn't give responsibilities to people that he thinks wouldn't be able to carry them out. He would not give those responsibilities. Thank you, Sister Fetus. And this conversation is ending the way it always does when I talk to Sister Phoebus. I'm challenged in my faith and I'm encouraged in my heart. And I want to thank her one more time for joining Uh, us and for loving our church and making this place a great place to belong. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.